Welcome to the Gospel Centered Pro Life Podcast, a podcast designed to equip, encourage, and challenge you in pro life ministry and always with a focus on the gospel. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome back to the Gospel Centered Pro Life Podcast. We appreciate you guys listening and tuning in to this podcast. And as always, we'd appreciate if you guys would share this episode of this podcast. I'm not going to labor long with the introduction because we have a special guest that's going to be sharing her story, sharing her testimony. And uh, so we we think that this will be a blessing to you guys because we've gotten you know a lot of feedback from testimonies and, and folks that have shared their testimonies on the podcast over the past what two years. And uh, it's been been all positive, and people's life experiences and uh, what the Lord has brought them through is a great blessing and encouragement. We see it throughout the whole Scripture, right? Testimonies of how God uses people, how God uses past experiences even, and how God's a Redeemer. So we're going to jump into that, and hopefully, well, I know so, knowing Jen and just her heart to serve the Lord, that you guys are going to be encouraged and even challenged in your ministry on the sidewalks or in whatever capacity where you're operating in speaking for those who can't speak for themselves. Um, but Vicki, why don't you real quick just introduce Jen, and then we'll give uh, give Jen the, the floor and let her share her story. And we'll be asking some questions throughout and stuff like that. And um, just to let you guys know, I need to mention this, we are recording remotely, doing the best we can with sound quality. But if things are a little weird or wonky, we apologize. We're doing the best we can with me here in California on the left coast. And these ladies in the promised land on the... <laughs> We're hoping the audio will be great and the connection's good. But if not, it's still going to be a blessing. It's going to be worth listening to, even if you have to um, listen past a little little weird audio glitches and whatnot. So, all right. Vicky, it it sure will. So, so yeah. So, so we are with Jen Irwin. And I've known you, what, about a year, Jen? You've been you've been volunteering uh, I think, with us almost two years. Almost two years. So boy, time flies, doesn't I it? Know, it? Yeah. Does. So so Jen has been volunteering with us for about two years, often on Saturdays, and she is just a firebrand on fire for the Lord. Um, and you know the the counselors that work alongside her just continually tell me that she is um, she is not afraid to boldly speak the truth, but then is able to be very soft and compassionate with the women when they, when they come over and talk with her as well. And, um, and I think you'll find out maybe a little bit of why that is the case as, as Jen tells us her story, but she has been a real blessing to us, not only as a volunteer out on the sidewalk, but she volunteered to um, post and perfect the articles that we write almost every week. And, I don't know about um, perfect, though. I mean, perfection <laughs> comes when we're in the heavenly kingdom, right? So maybe well, we're okay. fine. Per- perfect a at a worldly level, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as best as they can be. Amen. Um, but I am certainly uh, 
technologically challenged and what would take me hours to get those articles out. Jen does in about five minutes, um, yeah. probably a little bit longer. I don't want to sell her short, but so, so she's been a total blessing to us on so many levels. And she, um, had asked at, I, I don't know, about a month ago, she said, do you ever have guests on your podcast? Which yes, indeed we do. And so that she had a, a, a story she really wanted to tell. And she told us a little bit about uh, that she is a post-abortive woman and um, and has really quite a pretty dramatic testimony that I think will, like Daniel said, truly be a blessing for us, not to only hear the, her background and, and what happened in her past, but then where she's gone from there and um, and how the Lord redeemed as he so wonderfully can and and will when we when we call upon him. So, so Jen, you know, maybe just start just if you wouldn't mind just kind of giving us a summary of of your story. Sure, sure. Well, first, I want to say thank you so much mm-hmm. for having me. This has been a labor of love, really, mm-hmm. um, meeting you all and being out on the sidewalk with so many wonderful, uh, God-fearing men and women. But um, of course, it it also is a little scary putting yourself out there. And yeah. uh, but I, I really had to just pray and be mindful that you know the word of our testimony is Christ. Because yeah. Christ is the Word, right? It's not anything to do with us, no matter how dramatic or terrible our our lives have been, uh, because of the choices that we've made. But it's it's really it points right back to Him. Yeah. Amen. So, um, yeah. So I think when I was uh, fourteen years old, my family and I moved from the Midwest to North Carolina. My mom was born and reared in this area, and. Um, you know, as a child, I'll even I'll kind of shortly summarize, I guess, or summarize that the childhood. Um, my I grew up as the oldest of three kids, and my father was an extremely rigid Christian. He was a second lieutenant in the army, um, and just a- approached the gospel or the Bible, as it were, uh, from the perspective of the law. So mm-hmm. it was, you know. Kind of like a, you know, we saluted our father from the time I can remember, you know, probably I wore camouflage diapers for for all anybody really knows. <laughs> but um, so it was just a very rigid uh, approach to Christ and to God and, and more so that um, God was someone to be feared. Mm. And, you know, if we didn't get right with God, we were we were going to be taken out. Like he would not deal with sin and, and, and our lives might very well be cut short because of that. Mm. So not a lot of gospel love, not a lot of compassion, not a lot of cross. I mean, I heard nothing of the cross and the salvation of, of Christ ever in my whole childhood. It was just, you know, la, la, la. And I'm not saying that the law is not applicable, uh, mm. nor am I saying, does the law matter? It very much matters. Uh, but Christ is the Bible from beginning to end, right? So mm-hmm. all that points to him. Um, so when we were when I was 14, we we moved to this area. And then um that was actually the first time that I tried drugs. <laughs> 14 mm-hmm. years old, coming out of a youth group, believe it or not, and tried marijuana with another friend on the church property that we attended wow. at that time. Yeah. 
and uh, nothing really happened. And then I started dating a, a guy and lost my virginity at 16. Mm-hmm. Um, but we dated for about a year. Of course, he professed his undying love for me. And, and you know, the heart felt uh, just the relationship was so wonderful and that young love. And then when we broke up, he broke up with me. Uh, I just kind of, I just went completely off the rails. Um, and so, you know, it started little by little with drinking and marijuana and then progressed over a three year period, uh, that I was really into some hard stuff, almost four years. So the time I was about 20, wow. almost 21. Were you, were your parents aware of all of this or any of this at the time? Well, you know, I think kids, especially teenagers, think that they have uh, the world by the tail and they, they think they can lie well. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that I had the wool pulled over their eyes. Yeah. But I don't think that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, there were weekends that I would not come home. Mm-hmm. And ironically, my mom actually drove up to this convenience store right down the street from our house. And she saw a police officer sitting there. And this was probably two o'clock in the morning on one Saturday morning after I didn't come home that Friday night. And she begged him to find me. And she actually sat in the back of the police car begging this officer to help, to help her. And he said, sorry, got to wait however long before we file a missing persons report, but she is 18. She can do what she wants. So that picture of my mother sitting behind, you know, in this police car just still horrifies me to this day. But, you know, the mom almost being like a prisoner herself, you know, trying to find her daughter. So, uh, but I do think that they, they found out and um, very quickly after um, all of that incident with the, with the cops, I got into another relationship through a friend of a friend uh, with a, a guy who was a little younger than I was. Uh, who was a self-proclaimed neo-Nazi skinhead. And he got extremely angry with me one night for speaking to a friend at a party who was African-American. And I suffered the consequences greatly after it was over and went back to his house and he just beat me senselessly. I had a dislocated shoulder, some broken ribs, a nice huge shiner. And, you know, but the whole time I'm just thinking, you know, I can save this guy. I can save him. And and drawing from my childhood experiences of church and I was raised in the church and, you know, just, just wondering what I could do or say to get him to love me, to bring him out of this evil. And um, I remember sitting up in bed one night and just thinking to myself, is this, is this it? Is this my life? Um, Not even really being aware of God or the spirit, but, but just trying to wrap my mind around why I was feeling differently all of a sudden. So I think God, you know, God brings you to certain places in your life and allows you literally to self-destruct. He he will allow you to self-destruct before he reaches in. But even at that point, I had not, I had not really grasped the concept of salvation or, or what that even looked like for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
So do you want me to continue? <laughs> well, so at some point, obviously, where our focus is on, um, you know, the post-abortive experience, but this yes. is a, this is a, um, the backdrop for, for everything that really led to that. So I, I assume at some point you got pregnant. Yes, then. I did. Yeah. I got, I actually got married, um, mm-hmm. and had a son who's now 20, he'll be 28 next month. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my husband, uh, wanted a divorce soon after. Mm. And of course, as we separated, I quickly got into another relationship with a man and that is who I got pregnant by. Um, And so it was subsequently that relationship that led to um, the decision to abort. He didn't want to be a father. um, And I, I didn't argue. I drove myself to the abortion clinic each and every time, three times. And, you know, I remember, especially having the experience now on the sidewalk, I remember there were no Christians there on the sidewalks then, you know, and oh, how I wish there would have been, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Uh, but no one preaching the gospel, no one telling me what I was doing was wrong. It, it was just sort of walk in, handle it, and and take care of what you needed to take care of so you could get on with your life. Yeah. Were, were there any thoughts of God as you're walking in or any concern that maybe this was not what he would have you do? Did he enter the the thought process at all? You know, Vicki, he really did not. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a single mother at that time. I mm-hmm. was working at a job that I wasn't making a lot of money. I was living in an apartment, um, just trying to make ends meet. I didn't feel comfortable, 100% comfortable that my boyfriend at that time was committed to me. So there was the fear of, you know, losing him, knowing that this is what he wanted me to do. And then I, again, just that overwhelming anxiety of, rearing all these children by myself right? and not knowing what to do with, with that. Yeah. 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 So I want to pipe in real quick and just mention for those who are listening um, to help you guys understand, like there's a lot of value in what you're hearing because Jen is, you know, in her past, just like many of you was of the mindset of the women that we see mm. at the abortion centers, obviously walking in selfishness, but also we have to acknowledge that there were some deep hurts. There were mm-hmm. some difficult situations. There were some stuff that, you know, the world would use to justify abortion. Sure. And so we have to, in a sense, meet these women, women like Jen in her past, like many of you, where they're at. And there is that importance of the balance between grace and truth. Like we, we of course mm-hmm. want to say abortion is murder, but we also have to understand that there are some difficult experiences that these women are coming from and going back into. And uh, we got to acknowledge that. And I think you sharing your story, Jen, can really help us just and to remind us that these these situations are not as cut and dry as a woman got pregnant. She wants to kill her baby. No one just automatically wakes up one morning pregnant and goes, I'm going to have an abortion just because. Yeah. Yeah, right, right, exactly. right. Well, and the irony of part of this is my father taught Genesis 2-7. Mm-hmm. That was, he believed that the baby, and this is the same argument that the that the pro-abortion crowd uses, he believed that that baby was not a baby based on Genesis 2-7, which says, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Mm-hmm. So there was absolutely no emotional connection to the Bible mm-hmm. or any type of that type of conviction, because I believed that a baby was not a baby until he or she took its first breath. 
yeah. based on the way. Now, now I also want to prep or follow up by saying, I don't blame my father for the decisions that I made. Yeah. Right. So, so let me just also say that knowing mm-hmm. that now, but, but that was what he put into my heart from very early on. Yeah. Yeah. So at the time, as you're walking into that abortion center, if someone had said, do you know God, how would you have answered that? Not sure. Yeah. So you would have said yes. And we hear that, mm-hmm. right? All, all the time of the women walking in, at least to mm-hmm. hear in the Bible about that. Yes, they, they consider themselves Christians. Mm-hmm. And indeed, that was what you would have said. Sure. Then as you're, uh, and, and you had three three abortions. And yeah. so there's obviously a disconnect between. So what, what happened that then did you go merrily on your way and meet a wonderful man or, or did something <laughs> start to change in your heart in your feelings about what had transpired in that abortion center? Well, I did. Um, after that relationship, of course, broke up, um, he cheated on me. Mm. You know, not surprisingly. Right. And um, I, I really kind of fell into just this deep sadness because uh, not even maybe partially because of the failed relationship. But, you know, the tide of abortions guilt rises very high. Right. And it and it it, it threatens to engulf a woman's entire life. Yeah. Yeah. And with shame and regret, you know, and those feelings of unworthiness. So I just got to a place where I was carrying around so much shame and guilt. And I and I just cried out to God and and couldn't understand really why I was feeling all these things. Things we'll come to find out. It was just this culmination of the sin. So it, it was not directly in your mind yet related to the abortion. No. Yeah. And that was my experience as well. So I imagine that that is not an uncommon experience, that there was that same what you described, a rising tide of shame, um, self-revulsion, even um, suicidal um, desire. But I never I I initially did not connect it with the abortion. Mm. Uh, What happened to you where at, at some point did you? then connect that with, with the abortions themselves? Yeah, I did. I, mm-hmm. I think that because I had to, right? You you really have to, there is some self-reflection somewhat, but the Lord revealed my wicked state to me mm-hmm. and the things that I had done. Um, and, and he absolutely brought it to the forefront. I was, I was crushed. I was just crushed under the like I said, the unworthiness and that regret, begging the Lord even at times, just take me out. There's mm-hmm. nothing that I can do for your kingdom. I am I, I am a piece of trash. <laughs> Please wow. just take me out. You know, I would beg him to to kill me. Really, yeah. that's where I was. Yeah. Uh, but then he just opens up that light, and you know, we have to seek Jesus. We have to. We have to listen to his call. You know, Paul spoke about that in 2 Corinthians 12, about the thorn in the flesh. And why does he give us that thorn? Um, Spiritual burdens are often ordered by the Lord to cure spiritual pride. And I Mm -hmm. think that I walked around with just this pridefulness of God's going to forgive me, right? We've heard that also on the the sidewalk. You know, if I go in here and do this, I know God and he's going to forgive me. So it's this... 
it's this boastfulness that we have within us that just keeps us moving forward more and more quickly towards destruction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you said you sort of saw the light. He began to pull you out towards the light. And was there a specific event or was there a specific moment that you recall where all of this crushes upon you and you you turned to him or was it more of a process? Uh, I think there it was both, really. I, so there wasn't this magical, you know, I like I can't remember the exact day. Um, mm-hmm. I did meet my husband, of course, and working through that with a man that I know loves me of course, has, has, and really has shown uh, Christ in our marriage and, and what loving someone is supposed to look like and the grace and the mercy. Um, so he really is the model of Christ here on earth. And I'm so blessed for that. But also being a single mother and looking at my own child um, mm-hmm. really kind of brought that into the forefront of just the forgiveness and uh, like I said, the the mercy that that Christ gives us, and and how He did give me the opportunity to be a mother, and then researching and reading the New Testament with all of the verses that that speak to the value of human life yeah. that I had never heard, that I had never read up until that point, and that was in my late twenties, um, so several years after actually probably even into my early thirties that the Lord just continually revealed himself to me through his word. And that's what he does. Yeah. You know, I I read something recently that if you want to hear what God has to tell you, you read your Bible. And if you want to hear audibly what he has to tell you, you read your Bible out loud. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, When, when you were struggling and you're kind of starting to come back to God, to claw mm. your way back to God. I, wow. I was, um, you, you mentioned the thorn in your side. And, yes. and I'd, I'd kind of like you to, to talk about that a little bit more. Because sure. if your experience is anything like mine, and I think it, it probably is in some ways, mm. there, we know we're forgiven. And we can feel mm-hmm. the, the release and the mm-hmm. joy of that forgiveness. But there but. are consequences yeah, of, of a, especially such deep sin. Mm-hmm. Um, God does not always, in fact, I think maybe even often remove the consequences. Mm-hmm. And that for me is that when you spoke about the thorn, that's for me what, what mm-hmm. I thought about. And it is something I do try to convey. Mm-hmm. to the women that I work with on the sidewalk sure. because yes, we can be forgiven if, if we have a heart that truly repents and turns back to God, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that this is not life changing in, in with some very, very negative consequences. So can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Sure. So first, you know, when Paul spoke about that thorn in the flesh, he doesn't give the full meaning about that thorn. We don't know if it was some great trouble he was referencing or a great temptation, maybe. We don't we don't really know. But like I said, those oftentimes spiritual battles uh, or burdens rather are ordered to cure our spiritual pride. So, you know, when we're afflicted with those thorns, we have to give ourselves to prayer. 
Um, continue praying, even if answers aren't given immediately or if ever. Um, and so when God doesn't take away that thorn, I do think it's it's twofold. We He leaves it there to remind us where we've been where or what we were before He got a hold of us, right? Before yeah. He brought yeah. us to our knees and revealed that wickedness to us. Um, but if He gives grace enough for us, right— we have no reason to complain about what's left over. We have no, I mean, who are we <laughs> to complain about God's grace and mercy? And yeah. so I think um, some of that, what's left over, right, has been, has manifested itself in uh, trust issues, marital trust issues. Like I said, you, you, you're you never allowed to forget, I think, in some circumstances where where you were. In the right. Which is a blessing and a curse, right? The, the blessing, blessing is the, I, I mean, the blessing is, yeah, you, um, you are filled with compassion and the ability to help others because you know, but mm. because you know, it's, it's, there is always that, um, you know, I, I often say, I wish I had never done it. I wish I'd never done oh, it. All, all the things that came as a result in my life that right now I see where sin can lead. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm forgiven, I love the Lord and he's using for good. He's using yes. our pain for good. Right. But, um, but I still wish it had never mm -hmm. happened that sure. what, what a different life I, uh, I would have had in, in so sure. many ways. And yeah. I yeah. still, to this day, um, a, a lot of times it happens on the sidewalk, but it happens other times. I still, to this day, grieve openly for those children. I, I do. I grieve. I weep over what I've done. Um, and so the yeah. Lord, but like I said, you know, continuing to seek Him, to seek community, to seek ministry opportunities, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, we have to realize as Christians that there's freedom from the penalty of past sin. There's yeah. freedom in that, and the grace is sufficient for you. Yeah. yeah. I want you to yeah. talk a little bit about just kind of moving forward and just encouraging those who are on the sidewalk about how those past experiences, past abortions, mm. and even, you know, the Lord using that that pain and that regret and all of that to bring you to himself. But then ultimately <clears throat> putting your feet on the sidewalks, like mm. you've been a blessing out there on the sidewalk. You've, you've, of course, like all of us that are out there, encounter some opposition and have experiences with people yelling at us and all that stuff. So that all that aside, in your ministry to the women, how has that? How has your past really helped to fuel that, and then help to, I guess, craft and and you know define the way that you minister out on the sidewalk? If that makes sense. Mm, yeah. Well, you know, Paul wrote in Second Corinthians five seventeen, which I actually that is the verse that I have tattooed on my arm. Okay. <laughs> um, therefore, if any was anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I think that again, men and women on the sidewalk, we have to realize no matter what we've been through in Christ, we are not the sum of our past choices. Yeah. Right. No matter what. Uh, we are made beautiful and new by the work of the Spirit within us. Yeah. And that's what we have to continue to portray to these women. And also um, realizing that these women that walk in there, accompanied or not, 
are all image bearers of God. Yeah. So I, I, even if they claim atheism, they are still image bearers of God. And I believe that that is why there is such a pushback, because uh, the creation will magnify the creator or yeah. it will war against it one or the other there's it's a it's black and white but but just as a building has a builder you know you've probably heard i know you're a fan of ray comfort vicky (laughs) (laughs) but just as the building has a builder creation has a creator yeah and we just have to continue to remind people that they you know they will give an account but there is someone magnificent that can be trusted uh, and that person's name is jesus yeah yeah what kind of things you know, take yourself back to as you're walking into the the abortion center, knowing what you know now. What are some of the things that maybe you would call out that you think might have impacted you, or that maybe you call out now, uh, based on your experience that you feel would will impact the women that are maybe in very similar situation as you found yourself in? Um, well, that is one of the first things going back to what I just said, <clears throat> that mm-hmm. that baby inside of you is an image bearer of God. Yeah. You are an image bearer of God. You know, this is wrong because his law is written on your heart. Mm-hmm. You know that murder is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course the humanity of the baby, knowing that that child's heart started beating before, um, the mother even knew she was pregnant. trying to get through to them that that baby is a human being and is alive inside of their womb. And also talking to them specifically about their role, trying to reach their heart so they can make that emotional connection with that child. You are the mother of that child. And the fact is, is that if they follow through with that abortion, they will be the mother of a dead child. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and that's just, you know, it's heart wrenching for me because, well, and Vicki, you, it, we've been in that situation. We know the repercussions of that. Mm-hmm. I have just as much want to get to that baby as I do to that mama. So she won't have to face what mm-hmm. we have faced, mm-hmm. you know, to bring her wrap her up. Listen, I, I asked my um, partner on the sidewalk a couple of weeks ago, do you really think I would get in trouble if I would just bust through the doors and just say, please get out of there, please get out of there? He's like, yeah, you don't want to do that. Probably yeah. you would, but yeah, it's not what we usually recommend. No. Um, no. But I know, I definitely know the the desire to do that because yeah. they don't know. They they have no idea. That's something that goes through my head as they're walking in. I, I'm just thinking you just have no clue and all the the pro-choice so-called pro-choice people dancing and almost like it's a big party it's like you all have no idea how incredibly tragic Mm -hmm. this is the this that is about to happen not only to that poor baby but to that woman yeah. Yeah. Well, and we often hear post-abortive women, I think often hear, you know, those those uh, fiery words from the father of lies, right? The devil, those words of yeah. condemnation and fear and doubt and everything that he's got to do, whatever he can to assault our faith right? Um, and to make us feel like, again, there's no way we could ever be forgiven for something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But at the, but the women just, they really have no idea. And it would be also interesting to know how many of the parole boards have actually had abortions. I would be interested to know that. Yeah, I think a good number, especially yeah. of, of some of the older ones. But, mm-hmm. um, but I do want to say something. We've talked about this a lot on this podcast, Daniel and I, that um, the message of forgiveness is absolutely critical. And I think mm-hmm. I'm hearing you saying how desperately you needed to hear that. Mm-hmm. But I always caution counselors about having the message of, of forgiveness yes. be spoken as they're mm-hmm. actively abortion-minded mm-hmm. because they are using it, as I think you mentioned, um, I didn't know God, so I wasn't really using it. But um, so many of peop- of the people who claim to know the Lord are using the message of forgiveness as, mm-hmm. as the rationalization Mm-mm. to abort. So how do we strike that balance, do you think, about and where and when do you think it is? is they, thinking again back to your own experience <laughs> and when you were able to truly absorb God's message of forgiveness. You know, I, I always stood in opposition to the Lord because I never could get it right, anything right with my earthly father. So I immediately thought to myself, why even try what I'm going to worship this invisible God. He's just going to strike me down anyway. Who cares? You know, I can just do what I want to do. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Not only do I not do that. Um, I also don't tell them that God loves them mm-hmm. um, because if you read the scriptures, that's not true. Um, God did not love me when I was his enemy and God doesn't send sin to hell. He sends sinners to hell and he does do that. He will do that. Mm-hmm. Now I won't get into the whole reformation on the sidewalk for <laughs> calling out to the mother, but I think that when they, if they come to you, which doesn't happen often, sadly, if they come to you, I think there is an opportunity, a real opportunity to speak with them about um, asking forgiveness and and what that looks like, what that needs to look like, because repentance does not just mean forgiveness. Repentance means means to turn away from. So the majority of abortions happen because someone has slept with someone's husband and gotten pregnant and they're trying to hide it or some other version of sexual immorality. They have to leave the life of sexual immorality. They have to flee and turn the other direction and run to Christ. Uh, But they but they have to understand what they're running to. Right. They're they're running to the Savior that and and then you explain the gospel you know he died for you he died for the sin of mankind but he died so that we would not have to endure the wrath of god he took that on the cross the father's wrath otherwise you know what's the black and white otherwise we we would endure it and we yeah. would be eternally separated from him yeah yeah so. yeah well i i'm i'm with you in um in being very very careful about the message of forgiveness and the message yes. of God's love even as mm-hmm. as women are walking in um because i think they they need to understand the um the humanity of the baby and the severity of the sin of that they are about to commit um and they their heart certainly is not a repentant no. heart as no. as as they're walking in there but um have yeah, you, I'm, I'm, I'm pipe in just real quick because mm-hmm. what you just said, I think, for a lot of people, could could hit the ears pretty heavy. 
and I believe we did mm-hmm. a podcast about this a while um, because there are those who completely would say you should not tell people that God loves them if they're not Christians and, and all mm-hmm. of that. And there's a sense in which we kind of throw God loves you around and, you know, people say, I preach the gospel because I told somebody Jesus loved them and, and all of this. And, uh, you know, there is a sense. Now, we, we look, of course, at the scriptures as our standard and this mm-hmm. idea that we just throw around God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life is somehow the message that people need to hear. It's a false notion, an unbiblical notion. That's but, right. of course, there is a general sense in which God loves every human being. You know, Jesus makes his blood available to those who would repent and put their trust in Jesus out of a general love for humanity. And humanity. And so, you know, I just want to acknowledge that, but also just drill in particular to what you're talking about. Like, we have to acknowledge this this fact that when we're in sin, mm. when we were in sin, we were enemies of God. The Bible says that you are at this mm-hmm. with God, which means you are God enemies through your wicked works. That's right. Sin, sin actually matters to God. <laughs> even though in our modern society and even in our modern Christianity, mm-hmm. we like to shy away from talking about sin. Sin is the reason why Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who never sinned, came to this earth and died a brutal death. Mm-hmm. That's that's the reason, not not so you could have a good life, not so you could That's feel right. God's love for you, not so, I mean, those can be byproducts in a sense. You know, you can feel God's love for you. Great. Praise God. But that's not the, that's not the end all to what Jesus accomplished on the cross and his resurrection. The end all is that God might be glorified through your repentance and faith in Jesus that's and right. you being unified with him, you know, that communion with God. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, that's the end all. So, you know, we could get into, and, and maybe you guys should refer back to our podcast about God's love for people, God's love for sinners. Should we be telling them that Jesus loves them? I actually do um, tell the moms when I think it's appropriate that God loves you and God loves your baby. I'll use that as a statement. Right. But and that linking, I think, is critical that God loves you, but he also loves that baby. And that's when I will use the message of God's love is making sure they understand he loves that baby too. Yeah. 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 And I think it's important again, like we do have our, our three talking points that we go through and we, that's what we train people to do mm-hmm. really focusing on how much God loves them. Cause I, I actually do sort of shy away from just, you know, God loves you is just a general statement and try to mm-hmm. make them feel warm and fuzzy inside. Because what I don't want them to do, because what I have seen many women do, is they latch on to God loves me, and therefore love, as defined in our modern society, is agreement, right? That's right. That's right. You hate homosexuals. Yeah, acceptance, right? right? You hate homosexuals because you don't accept them. No, actually, I love them, Mm -hmm. and I'm calling them to repentance. If I hated them, I would accept their sin and say that it's not a big deal when actually they're headed for hell, according to what the scripture says. Well, so there is that in, balance and that truth that we've got to base what we say, what we do, not on our feelings or modern society's mm-hmm. feelings, but the word of God. That's right. And then, you know, in the book of John, in John 15, when Jesus is talking about abide in me and I in you, right? He declared his disciples clean, but they were not asked to abide in Jesus in order to get clean. They were enabled to abide because they were already clean. So yeah. the the disciples, once they were once they were followers of Christ, 
that's what that's what all that means. And so, yep. yeah, it's it can be a slippery slope. I, I don't. The main point is to save those babies and to, you know, just to get through to the mother. The main point is actually that they will hear the gospel. And there have been so much fervent prayer that the that the Lord just tears the scales off these women's yeah. eyes. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, with anything, um, the work is the Lord's like, we want to do again, according to what the scripture says and not what yes. modern society says and feels and all this right. stuff. We're going to do what the Bible says. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, we are just those who plant seeds and water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we yeah. plant seeds and we water seeds. That's what, that's what Paul said. We mm-hmm. plant, we water. It's God that gives the increase. He's the one that pulls the scales off the eyes. And that's why one of our like main charges in this podcast for those who are going to be on the sidewalk. Yeah, we can give you some general principles and some best practices and do's and don'ts and all that stuff. And all that stuff can be good. But at the end of the day, you need to be walking with God. Mm-hmm. You need to be in the scriptures. You need to be in prayer. And you need to be walking with the Lord because he's the one that tears the scales off the eyes. He's that's the one right. that saves these babies. He's the one that brings these moms to repentance, those that have That's had right. abortions or those who mm-hmm. you know are considering abortion. Like he's the he's the one that does all that heart change mm-hmm. stuff. You're right. Now, within that, of course, we want to honor him in the way that we present what we say. And I do think there's this balance because in this day and age, I think we know with modern Christianity, there's mm-hmm. this gravitation into the world's mentalities and the world's way of talking and speaking and this gravitation away from the Scripture and the way the Scripture talks. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the Scripture is very forthright and plain about sin and rebellion against God and the need for the rebel to repent and put their trust in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we we need to be truthful in that. But you can do that in a very gracious way, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, look at Ray Comfort. Like you mentioned, Jen, like, I love that guy, too. Just watching him (laughs) preach. That guy does not shy away from talking about sin. No, he he sure doesn't. Right? And uh, God uses it to to bring people to the Lord and to uh, even equip people like like me and Vicky and yourself. So, mm. so, you know, the Bible is the standard. That's right. Yeah. That's right. God's Word will always be that standard. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I love everything that you said, Daniel, about um, reminding us whose work it is and, mm-hmm. and that that is ultimately it is to glorify God and magnify his name that that were out there and um and Jen works uh volunteers in the afternoon which we do tend to see less i guess visible fruit it it's usually much mm-hmm. quieter you don't usually have as many interactions interactions as in the morning and we have traditionally had a really hard time finding and keeping afternoon volunteers i think for exactly what you mentioned, Jen, and then what Dan- Daniel spoke about is what our focus should be, um, because you your heart does break. If if your focus is, I really want to see babies saved, and if I don't, I'm not going to be able to be out here, then you'll be, yeah, you'll be quickly discouraged. But if your focus is in everything that Daniel described, mm-hmm. um then we can because we can all stand in obedience to him and, yeah, why, and give a voice to those children. Why should we glorify or why should we put a time of day on the glor- 
glorification of the Lord, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, God's only going to be magnified if I come out here from nine to twelve. <laughs> yeah. Not from twelve to three. That's and fine. only if it, only if I can, you know, tick off three babies saved <gasps> and um and five pieces of literature given out. Yeah. Um, all those things are wonderful. I'm not, you know, they they are of encouraging, course. but um. But it it's just it's so important to remember why why we're there and who we're serving. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. I don't know, Jen, if you have anything else you want to share just from your story and just maybe experiences on the sidewalk in the last couple of minutes um, before we wrap this thing up. So I'm going to just give you the, the the floor to share. Yeah, I would just continue to encourage uh, sidewalks sidewalk counselors rather to be encouraged, to remain Mm -hmm. encouraged. Um, The only way to do that is to stay in prayer and reading of the word of God. Um, Prayer is the ultimate expression of our faith. And we have to have faith in our mighty Lord that he's going to turn these, you know, hearts of stone that we see day after day on the sidewalk into hearts of flesh that beat for him. Uh, yeah. Because that's why all of us were created to glorify him. He doesn't need us for anything. Yeah. yeah. But he has given us this wonderful gift to go out to these abortion clinics and pray on the sidewalk and call out to these mothers and, and fathers, the ones who show up, um, to to preach his word. And yeah. you know, that's how it was done for me way back, not on the not on the abortion clinics or not from the abortion clinic sidewalk, but just hearing God's word, even as a young child, even though all these horrible things happened in my life, the things that I chose, you know, he comes back around. He came back around for me and lifted me out of the mire and gave me a heart to serve him. Yeah. And it's important to remind it. There may be listeners who are post-abortive. I'm sure there's many. And, and just to know that there, there is healing, um, not just by ministry in front of an abortion center, which actually I, I would recommend that you get healing prior to that, but, um, but restored life with Stephanie Reinhardt, um, through lovelife.org. You can all look, look that up. And, um, there are many wonderful abortion recovery programs through churches. And I, I do recommend that. I, I think it is important mm-hmm. and, and helpful. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. And I'll put that a link to restored life in the show notes for the podcast, for those who maybe have abortion in their past or, yeah. you know, or you're ministering to women on the sidewalk who mm-hmm. have had an abortion and you want to point them obviously to the Lord, I think Restored Life is a gospel-centered ministry that helps talk really forthrightly about the issue of abortion and uh, lead people to Jesus, not just some kind of psycho babble, you know, right. numb, numb in their conscience, but like ultimately Jesus right. is the one who takes care of the sin of abortion mm-hmm. when we repent and put our trust in Him. Um, so just for those who are listening, it's uh, lovelife.org slash restored life, and you can go there and get information and even connect with Stephanie there. Um, but with that, ladies, I will I'll wrap this thing up unless Jen, you got something else you wanna you wanna. I was just gonna say. say one thing just about the importance of community to seek the yeah. community. You know, in James, it talks about confessing your sins to one another, yeah. mm-hmm. and I think that women, post-abortive women, can share without judgment. Yeah, some of the things that they've gone through, and just right. to have a community of women to pray with one another. Of course, abortion is a stigma. Of course, it's horrible. Of course, it's a sin. However, when the Lord, like I said, changes your life, we need to rally alongside each other and hold each other up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Amen. First uh, John chapter one, 
That's I right. find myself quoting this scripture so much. First John chapter one, verses five, I think it's five through 10, where he says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him, in him is no darkness at all. Right. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Mm. It goes on to say, if we say we have no sin, we make him a liar. But if we confess and forsake our sins, um, that God will forgive our sins. So mm. bringing our sin to the light, the sin of abortion, like you're talking about in that setting of other believers, like, man, would I really share with other people that I've had an abortion or had three abortions or five abortions, whatever? Well, if you want that sin to, like they say, sunlight's the best disinfectant, if you want that sin to be taken care of, and if you want the guilt and the stuff that you feel in your heart to be taken care of, bring it to the light, of course, to the light of who Jesus is, mm -hmm. but also Amen. to others, and just acknowledge it, and let God use your past, and like like the Apostle Paul, he doesn't shy away from, you see him sharing his testimony time after time in the book of Acts, and even through some of the epistles, mm -hmm. about how he had even persecuted Christians. Right? Sure. He, he was the chief. Yeah. And so he was the chief of sinners. In a sense, he was ashamed for his sin. You should be ashamed for your sin, right? But not ashamed in such a way where you're ashamed to share what God has brought you mm -hmm. from. Like our 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 hope is not in whether we feel shame or not. Mm -hmm. Our hope is in Jesus Christ, the one who removes shame. So right. bringing that stuff to the light can can remove the shame and can remove the stigma and remove even some of the, the the pain, mental anguish, and things like that, mm -hmm. um, that that folks that are have abortions in their past that's that's women especially, but also men. That's mm -hmm. right. Have been involved in abortion. There's guilt there. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I talked to a young lady, and I will wrap up with this. Not a young lady, an older lady, actually, just yesterday, and she was sharing with me the guilt that she still carried. This lady was probably seventy to seventy five years mm -hmm. old, and she had a friend that came to her. 30, oh gosh, maybe 40 years ago mm. that was considering an abortion. And she's she didn't encourage her friend to have the abortion. She just didn't speak up and tell her friend not to have the abortion. And she said she still feels guilty every day mm. for the fact that she didn't speak to her friend and tell her not to have the abortion. Yeah. It's like this, this thing called abortion it has its ugly tentacles in every area that it can. The devil wanting to bring this condemnation and, and sense that you can never be forgiven on people and keep them in bondage. And so we need That's to bring right. that stuff to the light. Jen, I appreciate you doing this. It's it's not easy to share this stuff. It's not easy to just be open and open book like you have been, but it is a blessing. It's going to bless mm -hmm. other people. It's going to equip other people who have abortion in their past. It's going to equip other people who don't, but, but want to minister to people that do or people that are going to have abortions. And, you know, people are going to be who have abortion in their past that haven't shared it set free. They're going to bring mm -hmm. it to the light because Amen. of the example that you've right. set. Yeah. So I appreciate you sharing. And uh, with that, I'm going to wrap this thing up guys. We appreciate all those who are listening and we'd appreciate if you would share this podcast with others, let it be a blessing to them. Also, we appreciate if you'd reach out to us, if you have a future episode uh, subjects, titles, things you would like for us to cover. If you've got questions about this podcast or other episodes, we'd love to answer those questions as best we can. So you can reach out to me at Daniel at lovelife.org. You reach Vicki at Vicki at lovelife.org. And until next time, God bless. God bless y'all. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet 
gratitude I know it will cost me my life But nothing's too precious since I met 